Well, what's going on, folks? This is M.A. Dozier, and we are on episode two of the Liberty 412 podcast, and we are actually in week two of dissecting 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Last week, we just kind of did a preface of the entire verse and kind of talked about what Paul was trying to explain to young Timothy. Um, but today and over the next five weeks, we're going to start breaking down it, breaking this verse down into categories. So today we are on speech. And uh, the interesting thing is, is that uh, I don't have a whole lot to tell you about this topic of speech, um, but scripture has a ton to tell us about it. And so really, uh, I'm going to do a little bit of breaking it down of how me personally, I see it being broke down. Uh, but in reality, we're just going to dive into God's word and go verse after verse after verse after verse of where scripture is just continuing to talk to us about our speech and what it means for us to set an example for the believers through our speech. So as we break this down, I really broke it down into five categories. I broke it down into our words, our tongue, our body language, our social media, and our silence. So that's five different ways that we can talk about our speech. And so with our words, basically to me, that's what we speak. The words we use uh, when we talk. When it comes to um, tone, that basically is saying how we speak. How do we speak about these things? What is the tone and the cadence in which we are bringing things forward? And then body language. Body language to me is how we respond when someone else is talking to us. That is a form of communication. Actually, some some statistics and some uh, you know people that study things about body language say that most people read more body language than they actually do the words that are coming out of our mouths, which makes sense because I could say something very, very nice and my body language be completely different. Um, and I don't think the two would match. Um, so the next one is social media. And that's really for me is just what we are sharing. Uh, there are some things in this life that we may know about, but does not mean that it is ours to share. And so we're going to talk about what that looks like engaging in this age of social media. That was not something that happened uh, back in the Bible times, but gossip was. And I think social media is a major factory of gossip in today's culture. So we're going to break into that. And then the last one is silence. And there's not much you can say about that except for so there, there you get it, silence. Um, we are going to uh, dive into all these and really just go scripture by scripture. And so really, when we talk about words, we'll start with words, what we speak. Um, you know, what what comes to mind when, you, when we think about that? Really, I think if I asked any one of us, it would be like, well, you know, we don't use foul language or we don't, um, you know, yell at somebody or use unwholesome talk or tell crude jokes and stuff like that. And that is true. Um, that is that is a way in which we communicate and that we need to be careful of those things. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, Paul says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So what's interesting is when Paul is writing to the Ephesian church, he's telling them, hey, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs. Man, let me tell you what, that's that's convicting to me um, because not, not, not all the time am I intentionally using words that build others up. 
So Paul says that in Ephesians 4.29. 1 Peter 3.10 says this, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. And so the words we speak are extremely important. Are we being very flippant with our words? Are we just molding into the crowd and how other people speak? Or are we setting an example for, for how we speak so that when others look at us, they know that we're a Christian just by the way we can, the words we use. Another one, Proverbs 18, 21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Think about that for a minute. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those that love it will eat its fruits. So you'll either eat the fruit of death or you'll eat the fruit of life. And it all depends on the words and what you use. James, the half brother of Jesus says this in James chapter one, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be, every person be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. Man, I tell you what, in our culture today, that is something we can all learn from. Are we being slow to speak and slow to get anger? And are we being quick to listen to somebody else? I think as parents, really, honestly, we like to listen to respond instead of listening to hear. A lot of times our kids will share their heart with us, but we miss it because we are too worried about developing a response to them rather than just listening and processing to what they're saying. James goes on in chapter three of his book in chapter three, verses five through 12. And man, let me tell you what, James is a spitfire and he don't, he don't hold back any punches. And he says this in verses five through 12 of chapter three. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among a members, sustaining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile, of sea creature can be tamed, and it has been tamed by mankind. But no human can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessings and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Man, think about that for a minute. Just that statement that James says in verse nine. With it, with it, with our words, with our tongue, with it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Man, let me tell you what, that is, that cuts deep because every Sunday morning, or I've heard this saying before, well, I'm in church, so I'm not gonna cuss. Well, the reality is if we are transformed and we are new creations in Christ, then it shouldn't matter whether we're in church or on the job site. And so our words matter. And so when it comes to, as parents, the words we use and how we speak and the words we use, are we setting an example, not only for the believers, but for our children? Because like I said before, our children will do what we do, not what we tell them to do. And so they will mimic our behavior. The next one, we're gonna get into it. Tone, 
And let me tell you what, this is a mission. Man, the Holy Spirit has been convicting me on this. I am a very candid forward person and a lot of, and I, I very rarely mean ill will about things. But when it comes to my wife and my kids, um, I am a taskmaster master, and I like getting things done. I like getting things done now. And when they're not getting done as quickly as I need them to get done or I want them to get done, I start barking orders. And I may not be yelling or telling them nasty things or making fun of them or, you know, poking at them. But my tone in which I am, I'm bringing it to the table is saying a lot more than my words are saying. And so when we talk to people, what is our tone? How do we, how do we move forward? Um, I'm also an individual, my wife and I both like sarcasm. We find it uh, humorous, uh, but there is a time and a place for sarcasm. And in a professional setting, and really in ministry, sarcasm is a deadly tool, um, unless you truly know the person very well. Um, because a lot of people can't pick up on sarcasm. And so tone, sarcasm, all that thing, all that comes into this. So not just the words we speak, but how are we speaking it to people? Do we have a pleasant tone? Do we have a godly tone in which we're saying, hey, you're welcome. We're making people feel welcome and loved. Um, even inside a hard conversation, can we control our tone? Proverbs 29:11 says this, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. So here's the deal. There are times in which hard discussions have to be had. There are times and discussions in which we are hurt or we've been hurt by someone. Are we able to have those conversations and, and be a wise man and quietly hold back our tone? Or are we just giving them the full, the full package? A fool, gives, a fool gives vent, full vent to his spirit. How often are we actually taming our tongue and taming our spirit and allowing people the privilege of getting compassion instead of wrath? Ephesians 4.32, again, this is Paul speaking to the church in Ephesians. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God forgave you. Let me tell you something. God forgave us to the point of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And it says that we are to forgive as God forgave us. Think about that for a minute. Can we comprehend that and move that in? How do we approach people with our tongue? The next one, body language. How do we respond? How do we respond to people that come at us? Okay, so classic example, for instance, in our adult lives, you know, maybe a boss comes up to us and tells us to do something and we may give like a little eye roll or a little huff, or we may, you know, slump our shoulders or whatever. A teenager, on the other hand, just like melts in the floor, or my five-year-old does this at least, melts in the floor and is like, I don't wanna. You know, that the body language, even if my even if my kids, if I ask them to go do something and they like slump their shoulders and just slowly walk away. That, that doesn't sit with me well, you know? I And the same thing with us as how we interact with other people. We may go do it, but are we doing it cheerfully? Or is our body language resembling something else? Are we hostile in our body language? Are we apathetic in our body language? Or are we cheerful and considerate and compassionate in our body language? Proverbs 17:22 says this, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up bones. Proverbs 15, 13 says this, a glad heart makes a cheerful face, 
but a sorrow heart, the spirit is crushed. So do we have a joyful heart? Does our body language reflect the joyfulness of our heart? Does our, does the, our body language reflect a glad heart like Proverbs 14 or 15, 13 says? Do we have a cheerful face when someone comes in and asks us to do something? Even if it's something we may not want to do, can we have a cheerful face and can we have a joyful heart in doing these things? Because ultimately we are working for the Lord. We're not working for somebody else. Social media, what we share, okay? Now, here's the deal. Gossip has always been around and it will always be around, but social media has emboldened people in order to share things behind a computer screen that they would not otherwise say face to face with somebody. And what we share on social media reflects the trueness of our heart. So we need to be careful of what we're sharing and how we're sharing it and what it reflects onto other people. The other thing about social media and text messaging and email is you can't read body language and tone in these messages. And so therefore, they can very, very, very easily be misconstrued. And so we need to make sure that we are communicating clearly, we are communicating precisely, and we are making sure people know what we say, when we say it, and how we share it when it comes to social media. Proverbs 11.13 says this, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. So just because we have knowledge of something doesn't mean that it is ours to share. That is a powerful statement right there. Just because we have knowledge of something does not mean that it is ours to share. Just remember that next time you get on social media. Ecclesiastes 10:12 says this, the words of a wise man's mouth win him favor but the lips of a fool consume him. So how many times have you got into arguments on social media or debates on social media, or you're, you're absolutely determined to prove someone wrong on social media? Well, this right here says, but the lips of a fool consume him, but the words of a wise man's mouth win him favor. So next time you go to try and enter into a debate or argue something, even if it's biblical, even if someone is absolutely slandering the name of God, you ask yourself this question, is social media the place to get into it where everybody else can see and everybody can see that dirty laundry you're airing out? Or would it be best to have a private conversation with somebody, not where the whole world can see? Lastly, and this is what I'm really excited about here, is the category of silence. Now, I know I told you it's gonna be about a 15 minute podcast. I'm going a little long today, folks, and I'm not gonna apologize about it because this one is important. And this one, man, absolutely grips my soul. So silence, okay? Proverbs 17, 28 says this, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise when he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. I'm gonna read it again. Proverbs 17, 28, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Man, this is something our culture desperately needs to learn, is to shut our mouths. And so when it comes to anything, anything and everything, we have to ask ourselves this question. Am I, is what I'm about to say going to build up the kingdom of Christ? Is it going to bring others closer to the kingdom of Christ? Or is it going to build a wall or shove them away from the kingdom of Christ? It is very important that we ask that question. 
And here's the truth of the matter. This, this absolutely blows my mind that in Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 57, going through 63, we see Jesus and he has been brought before the council of uh, Caiaphas and the council. And they are basically preparing him to be crucified. And they are giving, it's a, basically a trial. And it says this, then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat down with the guards to see the end. Now, the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus, that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward at uh, came forward. At last, two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that that these men testify against you? And then verse 63, it says this, But Jesus remained silent. He remained silent. He was perfectly innocent in everything but he remains silent. And then you flip over to chapter 27 of Matthew, going from 11, verse 11 through 14, and this is Jesus before Pilate. And it says this, Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave them no answer, not even to a single charge. So the governor was greatly amazed. Here's the truth of the matter. If any man in the history of the world had a right to speak of his innocence, had a right to fight for his rights, and had a right to do do everything possible not to go to the cross, it was Jesus but he stayed silent. Now, why did he stay silent? Why did he not speak up? I mean, he was perfectly innocent. There was nothing that he had done that he deserved any of this. But when they accused him, he stayed silent. Well, we read in Acts chapter two, Peter Peter says this, Acts chapter two, verses 23, and it says, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. So here's the truth, and this is something that I wrestle with every day, is that it was God's perfect plan that Jesus went to the cross. And even though he was innocent against these charges, and even though that there was nothing that they could stick to him because he was perfect, He was snow white. He was like a lamb. There was nothing that he was guilty of. It was still God's perfect plan for him to go to the cross. And so therefore, him arguing and defending himself, even for his innocence, was against the will of God because God's plan was perfect. And ultimately, because Jesus remained silent, salvation came to the world through the death of Jesus on the cross. So sometimes glorifying God requires our silence, even when we have the right to speak because we are innocent. The question we must ask ourselves is this, do we trust God to handle the circumstances? I can't tell you, there's been multiple times in my life, 
especially in ministry in which I've been accused of things that have not been true. And I'd like to say that I remained silent on all of them, and I, I did not. Some of them I was able to hold my tongue, but I've learned a lesson that if I am standing on the truth, then silence may be the best thing because it is up to God to deal with those people. It is not up to me. And the devil likes to whisper in your ears saying, well, what will they think of you? You know, what What will people think and all this stuff? And, and at least they need to know I was right and that there was nothing wrong. But in reality, that's not what Jesus did. He remained silent. The question we must ask then is this, is what I'm about to say because is what I am about to say whether it's through my words, my tone, my body language, social media, is what I'm about to say, is it because I'm offended and hurt and I want other people to know that I'm right or what I'm, or am I saying what I'm about to say to glorify God? God does not need our defense. He is God. We're just called to share the truth. And so what I find interesting is so many Christians in our culture today want to go to social media, want to go and be loud for the kingdom of Christ. And I'm all about being loud for the kingdom of Christ when we're doing it correctly. When we're sharing the gospel, we're being hospitable to all and our, our words, our tone, our body language, and how we use social media is all being used to glorify God, not to yell and, and defame other people. Charles Spurgeon, the great evangelist and theologian has a quote. Because, and it says this, Scripture is like a lion. Who ever heard of defending a lion? Just turn it loose and it will defend itself. So think about this. If you went to a carnival and there was a lion in a cage and there was a bunch of people with sticks poking that stick, poking the lion through the cage, and then the lion was getting agitated and upset, and then you came up and you scolded all the kids and everybody that was there for poking the lion, you went to defense of the lion. What Spurgeon is saying is that lion does not need defense. He just needs to be let out of his cage and he will do all the defending himself. When we go into this world, all we have to do is open the word of God and let the lion out of his cage. He will take care of the rest. Let the word of God work as the word of God can because it is supernatural, it is holy, and it convicts. We do not convict others. So are we going into this world with compassion, love, a joyful heart, and a cheerful smile? And are our words reflecting the glory and love of God and allowing scripture to do what scripture does? And that is convict people to the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. So that's that. I hope we have a great week. And as you go out and continue to talk with your kids, run through these scriptures. There is so many more scriptures than this about our words and our speech. And it is a vitally important thing that we as the believers understand what it means when we begin opening our mouths and, and the power it has, the power to build or the power to destroy. And out of the mouth comes both. And Paul says, it should not be that way. We should choose to glorify God in everything we say and do. Y'all have a great week. Stay humble, stay focused, and keep pressing forward.